And we're live. Hey, Abdul, thank you so much for coming on um, to Sports Dev Series, where we talk about everything sports and um, development uh, from around the world. Uh, for those who don't know, Abdul is a former Super Eagles player, a former professional soccer player, spent a number of years in the Danish leagues at the highest levels in Denmark, um, actually had one of the um, breakthrough contracts done in Denmark, represented Nigeria a couple of times uh, as an international. So uh, we're happy to have him here to share his experiences and what he's learned about, you know, soccer, football, um, his development, you know, and, and, and everything he's been involved in, because even after playing, he's been involved in some administration and, and management. So we'd love to have him. Um, I'm an intermediary as well. I know Abdul has also served as an intermediary. So, um, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of things to talk about. So, Abdul, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. So, um, let's start with so, are you in Abuja? Are you in Abuja, Nigeria now? No, I mean, yeah, I'm in Kaduna now. In Kaduna? Okay. Nigeria. In Kaduna. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, in the city, you're not in like Southern Kaduna where they have all these issues, right? No, 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 no. I'm just in the middle of the city, yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. So Abdul, you know, um you know, uh you have like you had a very successful career in um in Europe and with the Super Eagles. Wanted to just kind of find out how did this all start? How did how does it how does a kid from Kaduna uh in northern Nigeria get the opportunity to go to Denmark and, you know, strike it hot and get some of the biggest contracts out there? Well, um, first and foremost, uh, as a very young kid, we all have dreams while we're playing football. And uh, I think uh, the dream of playing football and becoming a professional player comes when I was young. And uh, I started it gradually in the city of Kaduna from my secondary school time, and then uh, I got big, anyway, then joining other clubs, playing for Nigeria Universal Bank, where I got an offer to play there and work at the same time. And then uh, I moved to Lagos, one of, one of the biggest uh, clubs in Nigeria, stationary stores, with a lot of fans. And I started my career there, and uh, I moved to the national team, from the national team, I moved to BCC Lions. We are from BCC Lions. I moved to El Canemi and uh, have just three three months in with uh, El Canemi of Bono before moving to Qatar, played there, and then uh, I moved to Denmark finally. That is how my career started. I see. So, how did you how did you get scouted from El Canemi to Qatar? How 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 did that process take place? Well. Well, the process take place after the World Cup because uh, I was uh, dropped during the World Cup. And uh, from there, some agents who saw me playing wanted to take me to Europe. But uh, I wasn't in the right stage of moving to Europe. And uh, suddenly somebody came and took me to Qatar. And I was playing in Qatar for like uh, a season. And then I got a, a coach from Denmark, who is a national uh, coach in uh, Qatar, over Peterson. He brought me from uh, Qatar to Denmark. 
And that is how my career started in Denmark. Oh, wow. Wow. And it's something you mentioned earlier. You said that when you first started your career in Kaduna, the club you were playing for, you played for them and you worked. Yeah. So <clears throat> you, in today's world, with, with, with a lot of, you know, you, you've served as, a, as, as an agent, too, so you know this. A lot of players in Nigeria, the concept of playing and working, you know, it doesn't exist. Um, you, you don't, a lot of them, if you say, hey, listen, you know, you can also work while you're doing this as a, as a semi-pro and make money, you know, um, it's not something that's looked upon favorably these days. So what was that experience like and how, how did that work when, when you were there? Well, at, at that time, I mean, it's not a full professional, you know, I'm, I was not a full professional. I was just trying to get something home that I can feed with. And then I had this opportunity to work as a banker and at the same time playing. But wow. uh, yeah, but then of course, when I started feeling that now I'm a pro, I decided to leave the job to join the club in Lagos. So you see the professionalism start coming in now. But then it was not a full professional. It's just like you work, and you get paid through your work while you are playing. But when I, have the, when I had the offer to play in stationary stores, I have to leave the job and then concentrate fully as a full professional, which is, uh, that was the way I keep on going. So I only had that job just for the main time because that's yeah. the only way they can yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Kudos to you, though, because some people don't have the discipline to balance, you know, playing as a, you know, a game you love and also learning to become a banker, which is, which is, which are good skills to learn at a young age. You can imagine a lot of people don't have that discipline. Yeah. yeah oh. So I know, I know personally, because I'm involved in the business that, you know, football is big in Kaduna. You know, um, I've worked with different entities in Kaduna. I've seen some really good players out of Kaduna. We all know that Celestine Babayaro uh, grew up in Kaduna as well. Um, but a lot of people don't look at the north of Nigeria as a hotbed of, of, of talent. You know, for instance, um, I talk to people sometimes and I say, hey, look, you know, for all you know, you might have the next Lionel Messi sitting somewhere in Sokoto, and you may, and you may never know because you don't scout talent actively in those places. Um, yeah, yeah. But what are your what are your thoughts, and how how would you like to educate people about you know football in Kaduna and in the north in general? Well, um, football in Kaduna, I think uh, if you look at the north general, that is where you get the most talent from. Really, the issue. But the issue is that some of those uh, northern players don't want to go out of their territory. That was an issue we we're having then. But now most of the players go out. But you don't see scouts coming to the north to scout for players because they believe the players are not there. But the players are from the north. But they don't stay in the north. They go outside Kaduna to play. If you look at the Premier League today in Nigeria, you find out that most of the players playing in the Premier League, playing in other clubs in the South and East, are from the North. So the only problem we have is that we don't have that progress of scouts coming to the North 
to scout for players. But those players that have been going to abroad and other places are from the north. Ahmed Yahweh and uh, so many people. Uh, we Then it was a big name, so we decided to go to Denmark. Why? Because from them, before we went to Denmark, we went to other states. We went to Lagos. And when we were in Lagos, we were like a big name. And everybody was like, wow, where are those players from? And they said they are from the north. And that is how we started getting contact. Then we moved to Europe and trying to get some of our colleagues too, as uh, scouting them to Europe too. So I think uh, the, the scouting in Europe is not that, in, uh, in the North, it's not that much because people just believe the North is just a place you just go. But uh, it's not just a place, but it's a place where they are full of talents and those talents migrated to the other states. So that is the, the issue we're having in the North. But now I think things are getting better. And like you mentioned, somebody like me, like other scouts, we're trying to see what we can do to help the young kids from the North, especially Kaduna here, to other parts of the country. No, absolutely. And and there's some more questions, some more things I want to I want to discuss with you about some of the work you're doing now, which I think is, is very good work. Um well, so so let's go to Denmark. So you get scouted, you get you get uh, you get scouted, and you get offered a, a a contract in Denmark, and then you go to Denmark. Um, well, when you arrive at Denmark, right? And this is always a question when I meet former Super Eagles players. I always ask them, "What was that initial experience like coming from Qatar and El Kanemi? Well, it's a very uh, big experience, you know. Coming to Denmark, I but the good thing is that I was in Qatar first, so it doesn't really cut me like unaware. So when I get to Denmark from Qatar, the difference was so big because it's Europe. You know, the organization and a lot of things going on there was like superb. But of course, coming to Europe, you know, the weather is very, very cold, and we're not used to that uh, climate. But we still manage to make sure that uh, we get uh, adapted to that uh, situation. And from there, we start to show our skills. And then we find out that we have, we, we have a better skill than we thought. Because now, you are playing a very good pitch, in a very good environment. Everything is moving fine. So you are more relaxed and you can play. And that is how, we get the confidence back and we started playing and then uh, other clubs in the Europe also invited us to sign a contract with them, which I did. I started uh, with a first division club when I first came to Denmark and I scored about 30 goals and then uh, I moved to the Superliga, which is like the Premier League and um, I was uh, the highest speed transferred player from one club to another. And that's, uh, so I think uh, getting to Denmark is a very big experience for me. And, uh, it looks good and it's still looking good. Yeah, no, so I know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm personally familiar with Denmark, you know, after all, you and I, we met in Denmark. And, um, you know, I've been there a couple of times. 
So I know that you went to uh, Fremand, I'm not pronouncing it correctly, initially, which is in yeah, Jutland. Yeah, which yeah. is in, not in Copenhagen, right? It's, it's in the middle part of the country, which is different from going to Copenhagen. So that experience must have been different, right? Um, the, the networks, like, uh, the networks, yeah, no, it's yeah. okay, it's okay. Can you hear me now? <clears throat> Hello, come again. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. You're back. You're back. I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, so I was saying, Ujas is okay. We'll edit that part out. I was saying that, um, you know, when you went to Denmark, you went to Jutland, which is in the middle part of the country. You didn't go to Copenhagen immediately. Was that, was that a different experience? Because that's not the metropolitan city. Yeah, it was a different experience because uh, in Jutland, you know, like you said, there's no much people there. It's just like a small town, a small town. So there's a big difference there. So moving to Copenhagen, then we're like, wow. So there's a bigger town here than Jutland. And uh, so that was the difference. And But I mean, when you're talking about the football, I think there's no difference between Copenhagen and Jutland is just the same system. But of course, when you talk about the cities itself, then there's a big difference. Okay, absolutely. And um, and after, I mean, obviously you did very well there, which is why AB, which is Academic Bowl Club, signed you yeah. for that record fee. Um, with, with the question I asked you, I, I did um, a camp with some Danish coaches. Uh, I've done a couple of camps with them. And the one thing in Nigeria, and the one thing they kept saying to me was um, that, you know, Nigerian players are talented, but they, know, they don't know how to play 11v11 in the sense that their tactics, knowing how to make runs and do certain things are not having been well coached. Is that is that your experience as well? Or is that uh, 
you know, is that accurate? What, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I don't think it's accurate, honestly, because, um, yeah, I know during our time when we're kids, we don't have this basic, uh, basic football, the foundation of football, how it's, how they do it in Denmark, you know, at the age of uh, 10, you started giving tactic, how to play, how to make good passes. We don't have that uh, experience before we left, but um, coming to play 11 against 11, I think there's nothing different there. It's just the same ball game. So I don't believe in that. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah, you can just say there are some things. We, we don't know the basic. The basic was not there, but nobody really cares because the, the final talk, the final thing is to see how you play. And 11 against 11, you play according to the rules. And then, of course, how your coach or what the technical advisor, whoever in charge, tell you to do. And I think we're getting it right. Okay. Yeah, we've, we've had a lot of players that have gone to Denmark and been successful over the years, um, specifically with Michelin and um, the tons of players that have gone through there, um, you know. So, so while you were there, obviously you left Freeman and then you went to AB. At AB, you were very successful as well. So, what was that transition like to AB, uh, which is more? If I'm not mistaken, AB is closer, is in Copenhagen, more in that area, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, my getting to AB, like, just like you said, it goes to it's Copenhagen. And then there you can see there are a lot of scouts, there are a lot of uh, foreigners there, there are a lot of different kind of uh, players coming from different parts of the world. But, you know, in Hanin, it's just like, I think then I was the only... African player playing in uh, Hanin. So, but when I came to AB, I found out that some of the clubs have some other African players, and it's a very big city. And then uh, we started the league, and boom, then everything was going fine. And that is how I got so many offers to leave AB. I got like three offers to leave AB, but unfortunately, I still remain with AB because uh, the deal was not perfectly done so i think uh, that's a big difference yeah absolutely um <clears throat> in terms of in terms of management right when you when you decided to transition after playing and became a, an intermediary how did what happened so what was that your experiences as a player right and dealing with different sorts of agents how were you able to bring that in now with your new role as a manager slash agent, how did how did that work? Yeah, well, actually, I the manager part, the agent part, I will, I, I didn't take it as a career actually, taking the agenting as a career, but I take it as a career to help the youth. So I take it as a career to help the youth, to help those young players who did not have the opportunity to go out. So I try to connect them with some other people I know with some other clubs. And, uh, but I'm not working like uh, an agent getting 10% of uh, what they get. But I'm just doing it for, I'm just doing a volunteer, voluntary job as an agent just to help the players. And uh, which have done one or two 
and uh, I've succeeded. So I'm doing it very well. And as a chairman of uh, a club, as a manager, I also try to see if there's a good player, we can help to go to other clubs. We will do that. And uh, I think uh, I've been doing that uh, voluntarily on my own to other players, even the local players and uh, those in uh, those also players playing in Denmark, even the African players playing in Denmark, I still have them out to other clubs to make sure they have a better future. Because uh, I believe that uh, I have done my own part and uh, it's also a good a chance for me to help others. And that is what I've been doing. So I think um, if I had more chance, I would do more. No, absolutely. I think, you know, from your experience, a lot of these guys can learn from what you have done and what you've experienced and being able to play in different countries. You know, you can tell them, hey, look, you know, this is the right decision to make. This is not the right decision to make based on your experience and and those sort of things. That's 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 remarkable. Um, you and I know there are a lot of players that get taken to maybe Europe or parts of Asia and then they get abandoned and... Um, you know they're stuck there yeah. as undocumented. Yeah, so um, it's it's good work. You're doing good work. Please continue. Um, you said you mentioned chairman of a club. I know you were involved with Kogi Kogi State Football, or were you involved yeah. with the professional club in Kogi State in Nigeria? Yeah, I'm involved with the Kogi United Football Club, and also the Kogi United the Confluence Queens Football Club. They have a, a female team and uh, a male team. Kogi United, those are the boys, and then Confluence Queens, those are the girls. So I am in charge of those two clubs. Okay, and Kogi, Kogi is based in Lokoja, are we? Yeah, Kogi is based in Lokoja, Nigeria. Yeah. And um, yeah, just about. What are, what are, yeah, what are the challenges like in, um, in, in, in running that professional club? Well, there's been, uh, there's been some challenges. And, uh, of course, there will always be a challenge, you know, financially, and we want to we want to do it like the other people. But if we want to do it like Europe, we need a lot of money. But uh, as it is now, the government, honestly, they are given their own quarter of what they can. And uh, we're trying to make sure things get better than it is. Because we need to change football. Totally, total, we need to change football in Nigeria. But again, you know, it's very difficult for some government to adapt to the system properly. As it is, the government are the only body taking care of the team. There's no sponsorship. There's nothing going on at the moment. So, you know, with a sponsorship for the club, then the government can relax a little bit. But, you know, when there's no sponsorship and the government has to take care of everything, sometimes it's a, it's a bit difficult to get it done the way we want it, we, the chairman. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and salaries have been paid. And uh, we are one of the best kitted team in the Nigerian League today. We have a sponsor, Humel, from Denmark. Sponsoring the team with uh, outfits, jerseys, and other stuff. So I think uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I wanted to even ask you: Does the club have um, 
Does the club just have a football department or do they have a business department as well? Do they have a department for of staff that go out there and solicit sponsorships and try to get people to... Or... No, actually we don't have that. And uh, it's something we're looking forward to. But, you know, it also involves money to get such a department. So at the moment, we don't have that department. The only department we have is just football and that's all. Yeah, yeah. No, um, let me know. Um, I, you know, I have some experience in in that field. So, if you if you need some uh, free free consultation, let me know if there's anything I can do to assist the club. No there's some pointers I can give you off offline. We can talk. Um, but but yeah, no, I think. And the reason why I asked that question is because you know I know a lot of different clubs in Nigeria, and and that's the one thing that. Um, they seem to be lacking. They don't have a business department. Um, and a lot of them are looking for the same things. They want to generate more money outside of the funds that the government gives them in the state. So yeah, um, <clears throat> I think there, there are some ideas I have that I can share with you later. Um, so in, in managing that club and everything, are you, your role, do you hire the coaches and the entire footballing department? Um, you know what does your role what does your role um state for the club yeah just like you said my role is to hire the the coaches the staff the players and make some uh, decision mm -hmm. with my members and then of course uh, as a as a former football player i also try to go out and look for players in my own time I can travel to Kaduna, travel to Abuja, to any part of the city in Nigeria. And then uh, I can just see one or two players that are very talented. And I just talk to the coaches and I say, hey, I got some players. Let them play and let's see. And when the players are good and the coaches confirm it that they are good, I say, oh, wait, are you really sure that they are good? They say, yeah, they are good. I say, I know, but I just have to know. And so before you know it, the players are there, and uh, this is how it is. Yeah, and the goal, the goal, of course, is to get promoted to the. And uh, of course, I try to see if I can work for sponsorship. But honestly, it's very yeah. The goal, of course, is to get promoted to the Nigerian Premier League. But honestly, the challenges has been very, very difficult because getting there, you need a lot of things before you get there. And um, we are just a, a very young, talented team. And we almost got there like uh, two years ago, but unfortunately we lost a match and uh, we're still fighting and we're still hoping to get to the premiership. Absolutely, absolutely, am I? We'll talk offline, I might send you some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, no, I think that's fantastic. So let, let's talk. Let's talk Super Eagles. Um, how 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 did that call up happen? Coming in, Super Eagles. How how did the call up happen for for you to come in and play for the, yeah. the national team? Super Eagle, the call up came in uh, my first match, and the first match of the. Premiership, Nigerian Premier League. That was around 1992. 
that was stationary stores versus Plateau United. And uh, I came in, normally I do play in the defense, but when I went to stores, I was converted to play as an attacker. And that is how I came in there. In the first match of the season, Plateau United stationary stores. And I scored a very fantastic goal. And I did very well in that match. And then uh, Clement Westerhoff invited me to the national team. And when I came to the national team, he told me I have the skills to defend and I'm very strong and I have like a good speed. And he wanted to convert me back again to my defensive uh, <laughs> defensive position. So he brought me to play from the right fullback, which I did very well. And um, he thinks I'm good. So that's how I came to the national team. Wow, that's cool. And, and you played uh, you played Afghan, right? No, 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 I did not. I, I was not among the Afghan team. We actually, our set, the 1992-93-94, we are the ones that qualify the Super Eagles to the first ever World Cup. Yeah. But unfortunately... I was not uh, among the 22-man list, so I was uh, dropped. But uh, it was a good experience because uh, I played almost all the matches, qualifiers. Yeah. the qualifiers. So, which is crazy, right? You played all these qualifiers, but when the time came to go to USA 94, they didn't take you. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I know sometimes people don't feel comfortable talking about this stuff, but what, what the selection process within the, the national team and players, is it strictly merit-based or is there, are there some political things that one has to do to be able to get selected? Honestly, with uh, Coach Clement Westerhoff, it was based on merit. Honestly, it was based on merit. And he did it very well and i think that is the part that make him to succeed as a coach in the super eagles is based on merit and i i can also say this anytime that is based on merit because i was the only local player then playing as a right foot back and making the team in the national team uh, you find some of them playing in Ayer, some playing in uh, AC Milan, some playing in the bigger clubs in Europe. But I appear to be the only one playing in the local league. So, which I believe is based on merit. And of course, I have other players too. They might not make the team, but they might, some of them make the reserve. We have Barnabas Enenga, we have uh, Precious Monye, we have Isaac Samitoje. We have a lot of players like that. So I would say it's based on merit. This time, there's no politics in it. Okay. That's, that's good to hear. That's good to hear because I've heard all kinds of stories, you know. But, um, yeah, but that's good to hear. So so what about, so now you're, you're in this field. You work with Kogi United. Um, you also work as, as a, a scout, assisting players to make the transition uh, to Europe. What are, what are some of the challenges that you encountered in, in your work today? Outside, we've talked about Kogi, but in identifying talent and trying to um, 
help them make the jump to a higher level? Yeah, you see, there's a lot of uh, difficulties and challenges. Sometimes you know the players are good, and by the time you take them to Europe, they find it very difficult to adjust. <laughs> Honestly, they find it difficult to adjust. It takes them like a week before they get themselves together. But then the the coaches in Europe there, they can't give them that time. Yeah. They can't give them that time. Because for them, they need to come, stay for one week, get adjust to the system, and then start playing. Then they will get used to the system. But the time we're taking them to Europe, the coaches in Europe don't have the time to try a player for a week or two. So that is the challenges we have. And we cannot say we want to prolong their stay. Instead of one week, we let them play for one month so that they will get used to the system. Then uh, it's, uh, financially, it's, it's very difficult for the clubs in Europe. So they prefer to try a player for three, four days and they can see if you're good or not. And But in the situation of taking a player from Nigeria, some of them have not been outside Nigeria before. And by the time they get to a very cold place, you find that it takes so much time for them to adjust. The cold weather, the people, the system, the food. So it's going to take a lot of time. So what we are advising and trying to tell some of the European clubs is like, we want to get the players to you, keep those players two, three weeks and see how they can adjust. From there, you can see the talent is coming out. Like I can give an excuse of, um, I can give an example of one player. They, this club need a player. They need the player urgently. And I, and I sent this player to Denmark and they have like uh, three days, three days to try. And it's a very good players. But the first day he arrived was at night, around 12 o'clock in the midnight. And then he have to sleep. It's very cold. The heater is warm. So you have headache and you have to go in the morning to train. So going to train in the morning with headache is not fine enough. Then you have to rest and play in the evening. And the next day you have to play again. You see, the stress alone is too much for him. And that is how he came back. But of course, he proved himself when he came back to Nigeria and started scoring goals again. So we think uh, that is a difficult choice in uh, getting players to Europe now. It's a big challenge. And we yeah. hope that uh, we will try to adjust this thing so that it will be better. But of course, some get lucky. Come today, play today, play tomorrow, and they're good. Bam, they've signed a contract. It's just like X, Y, Z. Before you know it, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've experienced it too. There's players I've sent to to Europe, and um, they've gotten there, and then you know I've gotten phone calls that like, oh this guy came, he's not in shape, and so I'm, I'm upset. I'm like, listen, we've been working on this for months. How can you go and you're not in shape? And the players are coming to me that you know it's not like that. You know, I just got here and I'm trying to adjust, and so you know, and the training is a little hard, and my body's tired. You know, so I, I, you're absolutely right. It's not um, it's not so 
easy. There are nuances to the situation. But let me ask you this. Do you think it would be a better... Sorry, go ahead. You're going to say something. No. No, no, no. I was going to say, do you think, right. think it would be... Yeah, do you think it would be a better arrangement, right? If young players are taking, let's say they're 17, they go for a youth tournament in, I don't know, Denmark or Netherlands or something, they excel at these youth tournaments and then they are scouted while they are attending these youth tournaments, then it creates a better uh, opportunity and transition for them because now they get invited the expenses are covered <clears throat> by the uh, club inviting them. They get there and then they're given that time, you know. Plus, the club has seen them compete against some of the top youth clubs at that age level. You know, what are your thoughts about that? Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I think the network is getting bad. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me now? Hello? Hey there. I'm here, but I can't Hello. hear you. I can I can yeah, hear you, but you can't hear me. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, I was asking. I said, do you think it would be better if a young player goes for a tournament in in Europe and then is scouted at that tournament, and then the clubs that scout him, I like him, actually give him a longer time to succeed and bring him in uh, once he turns eighteen. Let's say they go for a U17 tournament. Do you think that would be a better arrangement where the player has enough time to perform? That would be a better arrangement. Uh, I think uh, we, my club, uh, the feeder team in Kogi United, we tried to do that uh, a few years ago, which was uh, to take them to the Dana Cup in Denmark. Denmark, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we can get some scouts to come there and look at them. So you see, from there, they'll just say, hey, I like that number two, I like that number three. And before you know it, it's, uh, it's perfect. And they'll get what they want. So there won't be this uh, hustling of how to get players to Denmark and they have to train and they have to take their time to adjust to the system. And with this Dana Cup issue, I think they will just pick them up from there. But of course, it costs money too because uh, you need to get like 22 players and officials, take them to Denmark, cater for their flight tickets and a lot of things. So then the financial uh, situation will not help. That's just a problem. If the finance is there, then all this will be easier. Instead of taking players to go and try for two, three days, you take them there, they play the competitions, Invite all the clubs who are who are looking for players to come there and then pick their players. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we we're still looking at it. We're still looking at how we can fix that probably. Yeah, I'll share I'll share my experience with you from from uh US and, and Canada. I know 
a couple of youth clubs that go every year to uh, Europe for tournaments. And um, as a matter of fact, if you look now, a lot of young Americans are playing in places like Germany and uh, and some other places. You saw a couple of them do very well in the Champions League games recently. You know, yeah. and that's that's because they go for these youth tournaments. They get scouted at these tournaments, and then they're brought in. You know, but the way the way they finance it is a little different. They finance it by, you know, over here it's different. The parents come together, each one contributes, and then they put the money together, and then they go for the tournaments. You know, that's the difference. Um, yeah, in Nigeria, there's that luxury is not there. You know, if it was, then you know, for instance, if every um, player could pay for their tickets, then it changes everything. You know. You only have to worry yeah. about <laughs> you only have to worry about accommodation and uh, and feeding. You know you don't have to worry about the ticket. Yeah. yeah. So no. Yeah, but maybe maybe you know I don't know maybe there's a way. You know maybe one can identify a way where there's a three-year plan of uh, players putting money together and then you know they can go. You know something that. Um, that it has to be looked at because I think that would give a lot of the young, you know, the seventeen-year-old guys, opportunity to to get scouted, and it makes everything so much easier if they get scouted. You know, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So, what what's on the horizon in the next couple of years for you? What what are some of the things you're, if you would like to share some of the things you're working on, uh, new things, new opportunities, anything of the, of the sort. Well, uh, actually, we're working on uh, trying to get some partnership with some foreign clubs in uh, in Europe where we can be working with the foreign clubs, getting the, the coaches to Nigeria to look at the club and see what they can pick. And then, of course, sending some of our players also to Europe to train with the the partner the and the club that we're going to partner with so that's a lot of things we're trying to see how we're going to do how to make sure that uh, the partnership works we can send a coach some coaches from Denmark or any parts of the world to come to Nigeria and look at the team for like two weeks so they will be able to pick the players that are good and then Take them back to Europe. You see, that will help the, what they call it, the tire situation. And again, we can also invite the same coaches, come to Nigeria, look at those players, pick three or four players, go to Europe, and then work with them. If they are good enough, the club can sell them to other clubs, come back to Nigeria and pick the players. So it's like, it's, it's a business venture. So that is what we're trying to do. And uh, the way it looks now, I think uh, there are a lot of uh, opportunities coming my way now to do, to do that. Yeah, do, do, do the clubs have to be in Europe? I mean, in Denmark, or they can, can they be anywhere in Europe also? Well, they can, they can be anywhere in Europe. They can be in Sweden, they can be in Finland, they can be in America, all part of the world. Okay. Uh, yeah, so people I know that might be interested in that, but um, oh. no, absolutely, absolutely, something 
So I know you know clubs in Denmark, of, of course, but you know additional clubs in Denmark that are interested can also come down, right? Of course, of course. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that, no, I think that's a good venture because if you're able to scout them, come and watch some of your games. Um, when, when does the season start? When does the National League season start? Well, as it is now, we don't know because of the corona pandemic. So we need to wait and see. But um, the rumor is that in September, probably. So, but we need to wait and see because there is no clear information about that. Yeah, I wanted to even ask you about that. I have to, I, you know, right now I have, I think I have about two players that Nigerian young players that play in Nigerian National League. The um, the league, how many games do they play? Because sometimes I talk to these guys and they're like, "Oh, our games got cancelled," or you know, I'm like, "How many games have you played this season so far?" They're like, "Only seven. I'm like, hey, seven, only seven games. You know, it's, it's almost like they're not playing enough games through the course of the season. You know, um, well, what's your experience with Kogi United? Well, um, talking about the Nigerian National League, the other is the NNL. Yeah, I am the I am the president of president of the association. So we had some time where the league has been cancelled or the league has been stopped due to one or two things in the league. So that's why I said uh, we need a very structured league because we, we have 42 teams and that's a lot for a league. 42 teams. So we need the league to be structured properly. And then, uh, of course, like officiating and a lot of things have to be very, very okay. And which I think uh, we have discussed it. And uh, a lot of things have been implemented. So we're going to work on that. And then we hope the season 2020-2021 season will be a successful season without stopping and cancellation of the league. Yeah, do, do, do you think the cha- do you think the challenges are more financial? Is it that the league isn't generating enough money, or is it that because um, because the, the league? Do you know whether the league has a, has broadcasting rights or not? And you know, um, and who are the main sponsors of the league? Do you know? Yeah, that is uh, that's just a question. We the league need finance, and of course, we need sponsorship. There is no sponsorship, and a league without sponsorship is a problem. And we don't even have television uh, rights and a lot of things. There is no television showing our matches, no sponsorship, and the club have to struggle up and down to get uh, funds to execute some matches. So you find that some clubs, after six, seven, eight matches, there is no money then there will be like a lot of walkovers and yeah, and that is when it, the league will stop or some clubs are accusing one other, one other club of bad match officiating, all those issues. But if we have a proper structure with a sponsorship and TV and all these things will just be a mere problem. It won't be a financial problem. It will just be an, maybe club problems and we 
we we don't need to look at that as a problem. But as it, as it is now, financially, we have a problem. So let me ask you, what, what do you think it's going to take uh, from your experience to kind of change the direction of the league and create, I think it seems to me like, I think the league, league needs a business structure to say, this is how we're going to make money as a league. And this is how we'll try to support our teams. Um, do, you, do you know whether there are any plans right now to create that sort of structure? Well, as it is now, we we just have uh, one of the one of the senator, Mr. Senator Obina Ogba, who was just appointed uh, the chairman of the Nigerian National League, and it's it's a guy of uh, big personality. It's a guy who have known the game, and we hope and we want to give him the support that he can bring a change to the Nigerian National League. So we are waiting for him, and we're also praying for him so that uh, he will change his league. And with the look of things, he looks like somebody who can do that because he have a lot of um, contact. So through this contact, we can, we can change the league. It's just a matter of time, and uh, now is the time. No, definitely. Something needs to be done. Because even all these things yeah. we're talking about, in the sense of promotion of players, creating opportunities for them to be seen. If, if for instance, um, Kogi United had uh, its own studio, where all his games are covered and broadcast online or whatever, you won't even need to fly those coaches down to Nigeria to see your games. You know, they can no. easily watch, yeah, they usually watch your games from anywhere in the world and see players that they like, and then they can fly down, you know? Um, Definitely. Yeah, so I think, you know, yeah, you and I will keep talking. I think that, that there's some things you can do, of course, if you can... Um, you know, start off somewhere small and then kind of grow from there. Yeah. No but problem. No, absolutely. We'll do that. Baba. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice absolutely. talking thank to you. you. Yeah, no, thank you so much for coming by. Um, I think you and I will talk some more again. I'll, I'll definitely be in contact. And, uh, and thanks again, man. I appreciate it.